Today we have Peter Powers on the show. Have you ever been in a family office and want to learn more about real estate investments? Whether you're managing the family office or you're trying to get into a family office, Peter Powers is your go-to source. With his experience with working and managing a real estate portfolio within his father's family office, he knows how to leverage relationships for success. He established SP Venture Partners and now helps other family offices deploy their capital into sound real estate investments. In this episode, you will learn that building relationships instills confidence. You'll learn to be curious about learning from all your experiences and all your team members, and that most family offices have a cash cow operating business. Listen and learn. I'm Darren Batchelder, an ex-corporate guy turned business owner and real estate investor. It wasn't long ago that I was searching for a new way to provide for my family. Dreaming of finding a way to achieve both financial freedom and freedom of my time. Fast forward through many learning lessons and you'll see the business and the real estate portfolio I have today, which changes lives and gives me so much more freedom. The freedom that I thought only existed as a dream. Along with our partners, we recently closed on our 12th multifamily property for a total acquisition value of over $275 million in Texas, Arizona, and South Carolina. And it all started with a duplex. We found a way to preserve our capital, grow our wealth, and save taxes. I started this podcast because I wanted to get the word out and share with others. If you are a C-level executive or other high net worth individual who wants to preserve your capital and build your wealth responsibly by investing in multifamily real estate, but you don't know how, then you've come to the right place. We developed a way to invite others to invest in our properties and do the same thing we've done. These are opportunities that are not available anywhere else. This may be perfect timing for you. To see if it's a mutual fit, schedule a discovery call at calendly.com forward slash dbatchelder forward slash investor. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Peter Powers before we start the show. Peter gained knowledge by working and managing his father's family office real estate portfolio. He developed his skills by volunteering to work in six unpaid internships with other real estate related companies. He's a big believer in delayed gratification and sacrificing early to receive the rewards later. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Peter Powers with us. Peter, appreciate you coming on the show. Dan, I appreciate you making time. Absolutely. So just a little bit on how we know each other, and then we'll get into it. Um, I actually reached out to, to Peter we, over LinkedIn. We, we have not spoken before, um, but I've been very interested in trying to 
understand the whole family office, um, you know, space. And Peter has knowledge in that area. So I reached out to him and he was kind enough to agree to come on and share with the listeners. So uh, with that, uh, Peter, can you share a little bit about um, how many properties, how many units you're invested in and kind of what your role is? Um, you know, I, my understanding is you're both within a family office and also have your own investment firm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Noel, again, I appreciate you having me on. I always welcome fruitful conversations. So as you mentioned, I still involved with my family's investment office, which is MPI Family Office. Still watch over um, the asset management for our portfolio of, of real estate. We also own operating companies. But my day-to-day -day is focused on SP Venture Partners. That is a um, – SP Venture Partners is a real estate investment firm that focuses on making – co-GP investments with seasoned operating partners across the country in multifamily and senior housing. Really, our creative uh, approach is we provide these opportunities to family offices, ultra-high net worth families. We provide a higher level of transparency and reporting than you typically see from, from um, in, in a real estate investment firm. So that allows them to feel more comfortable with the investments that they're making from the due diligence before they make the investment to the closing to during the hold period. And that transparency leads to education. Education leads to comfort. And then comfort leads to um, further investments. So SP Venture Partners is based out of Tampa Bay. As I mentioned, we make co-GP investments in senior housing and multifamily. We're seeing a little bit more opportunity in senior housing right now. If senior housing got beat up during COVID. So we are making... Um, we're under contract on three senior housing properties um, in the mid-Atlantic right now, and we have a number, another dozen or so other properties in the pipeline. In terms of ownership, I watch over my family's real estate portfolio, which is right around a billion dollars, about 6,000 apartment units, um, a number of, uh, of senior living facilities, uh, medical office, some storage. Um, I own a percentage of, of a good portion of that uh, prior to Myself joining my family's investment office, I was helping lead acquisitions for a private equity firm up in North Carolina, which was focused on multifamily. So I got a number of assets under my portfolio as a general partner while I was at that firm. So um, again, I'm very much involved with my family's investment office, keeping a pulse on the investments that we've made. But my day to day is making investments, um, you know, GP investments um, with with other family offices. That's awesome. Um, so I'm probably more than double your age. So I'm 53. You're a young guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. how, how did you get involved in, 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 in this space? There's not a ton of young people in this space. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I just turned 27. I, st I started young. So I grew up with a family with my father's a as a surgeon, um, you know, in a medical family, I was going to go down that path, decided not to. Just like any, I guess, high school or college student, I was very curious of what I wanted to do. And I know that you got to have a why as to, you know, what you're going to do. You got to be excited about it. So as I was you know, kind of exploring that during college, I started doing internships across the country, unpaid internships with different real estate groups couple different property management groups, couple different private equity groups, and then a brokerage group um, where I was up at school with the Florida State. I got a good grasp of the different um, 
components of real estate, the different capacities that I could be involved in. And I understood that being on the ownership side, learning not only how to buy and invest in these deals and add value, but also the real value because their businesses is, is the management of them. So I learned that from a young age. So I did, you know, I like to say that I did, I did six three-month unpaid internships that really they helped accelerate me a new number of years ahead of a lot of my peers. And then I was, you know, had the ability to make my first co-GP or sorry, first GP investment at the age of 22. So I've, I started young, have, you know, closed on a billion plus dollars worth of assets across the country. And it's just, you know, building up that deal flow, building up those relationships and then staying hungry, you know, continuing to have these conversations you know, being open to continue to learn from, you know, other, you know, in, you know, partners that I invest with, other family offices, and helping that, you know, kind of drive my future. That, that's huge. I, I, I applaud you. I wish, I wish I started in my 20s, you know, that I get asked that if I'm a guest on a, on a podcast, yeah. guest, like, what would you tell your 20 year old self and buy real estate, you know? So, um, Let's focus on there's so there's two avenues. Let's focus on um, your family office first. Your, your, yeah. So what is the mindset of family office? I guess let's step back. What what would you define as um, a family office, like in terms of assets under management or net worth or wherever? And then what is the mindset of of a family office? So. I can't speak with any family office because they're all different. So all different. some families are more involved than others. You have multifamily offices where they really just um, outsource a lot of the services, a lot of the needs to some third-party um, multifamily office advisory firm. So when you How, say, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. going to jump in right here uh, for the yeah. listener's benefit. When you say multifamily offices, you know, because this show is mainly on multifamily investments, okay, what you're understood. referring to though is a bunch of different family offices getting together, multiple yes. family offices yes. rather than multifamily investments. I just wanted Correct. to differentiate between that. I'm happy you pointed that out. Yeah, exactly. And it gets confused a lot of times because we do a lot of real estate. So yes. So multiple families will combine able to, they're able to leverage the resources and they, you know, especially for some smaller families, it allows them to not necessarily have that administrative burden it costs a lot. You want, to have, you want to hire a CIO, it could be multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, plus you're giving them you know, a piece of the cake. Then you're hiring an analyst, then you're hiring you know, various different asset managers. So it, it can be very cost, um, cost ext- uh, and intensive. So a lot of families will choose to do a multifamily office, and sometimes they're larger ones. They, they just see the ability to get access to top CIOs, top asset managers, so that makes sense for them. But my family's journey was, you know, as you know, coming out of 2008, they saw um, that investing the normal route in stocks and bonds and, you know, doing that traditional, you know, going the traditional way didn't really work. And at the same time, they were, you know, getting beat up um, with their operating business um, with, you know, the ons- onset of some, some uh, legislation, legislation. So they decided that, the best move was to learn from some of the very wealthy families and learn what a family office was. And that's kind of what where it started. Then from there, they decided that building up our own family office, doing extensive research and investment into operational real estate at a time where values were very depressed was a great next chapter for my family. 
So, you know, over the years, they've, you know, my family's really built that up. Um, I've seen similar stories with other families where there really was a pain point that caused them to pivot. You know, going the traditional route didn't work for them. Once they got beat up, they decided to kind of study what went wrong, what other solutions are there, instead of just licking their wounds, hoping things would get better. So that's what I've seen with other families. That's what I've seen for my family. That's all I can, you know, kind of speak to. Um, mm. But sometimes, you know, you'll see, you know, the, the ultra, ultra wealthy families, the Elon Musk, the, the Jeff Bezos, they get to a point where they have billions and billions of dollars. Managing their companies is very, very important. That's what they're good at. They need to bring people in-house to manage their money. Right. You know, when you have hundreds of billions or tens of billions of dollars, it should just be sitting there. It should be put into use, whether it be through treasuries or real estate or maybe even some stocks and bonds. So for them, it's very integral that they are able to maintain their wealth, especially if they want to take it and do philanthropy. They don't want it just to run away with inflation. Right. Let me ask you this. You know, of the family offices that you've worked with, what percentage would you say fall into the camp of extremely knowledgeable in real estate versus maybe they, you know, built their wealth with in some other avenue? They built a company and then they had a big exit or they did some, and now it's time, they've got a bunch of capital that they have to figure out how to grow the wealth. Like you just said with Elon Musk, like yep. he's, he's focused on building his businesses. He's got all this capital. Some, he has somebody else manage it for him uh, from mm -hmm. the family office. So what, how would you say that um, is segmented? Yeah, I would say the majority of them, and this is really, you know, what they, if they have a big operating business, that's a huge cash cow, which is beautiful. They either decide to sell that off and then, you know, formulate a family office or they hold on to that cash cow operating business, then formulate a family office that is making more long-term investments. So it's more about the preservation of wealth. They also want some income generation, but they already get, are getting a tremendous amount of cash flow from their operating business. So depending on the size of that, they might want to um, just do it for diversification needs or, you know, they're looking to do it um, to, you know, provide some um, additional cash flow. So it really does depend. But in terms of the family offices that I know, I would say the majority of them built their wealth through some other operational business. And then they decided to formulate a family office that invested into, into real estate. That, I do know a few, though, that that was generated from, from real estate. And then they've... Um, continue to make real estate investments or other private equity related investments. That's interesting though, because I think that, you know, some people in the real estate world say, let's just say a syndicator that hasn't worked with family offices, you know, they may yep. think, well, they're super, super wealthy. They're super, super sophisticated, but they, they may be sophisticated in a different industry and they may not really fully understand real estate, multifamily, or you're also yep. in senior housing, as well as you do, or as well as another, this, the syndicator does. And was, so that's, I think, an important point for people to understand. Yeah, yeah. So I think you're spot on with that, but you need to show that, right? So it's, it's not just look at me, you know, it's great when, you know, people have, everyone wants a, a great track record, but showing them you know, kind of what that track record means, how you, know, you always have a few sour deals, what went wrong with those, your home runs, how did you outperform on those? 
really showing them, you know, kind of a full case study of what went on with, you know, a number of deals, providing that uh, transparency, providing that education. That's what's important. And I think that's very much lacking. Um, you, you see, there are a lot of groups out there that have done extremely good job. And I actually had this conversation last week. I was with one of the biggest, biggest residential developers in the country, if not the biggest ever um, when it comes to apartments. And I had that conversation because they don't raise money from just family offices. They raise money from countries. They're going to do these solid wealth funds. I had that conversation. I was like, you guys have a 50 plus year track record. You guys have produced tremendous, tremendous returns, but... Are you, you guys are kind of on par with some of these big institutions. He goes, exactly. I go, but how are you able to you know, get groups to write not 100, not 200, but 500, $1 billion checks right. into your guys' funds? He goes, Peter, it's relationships. He goes, if you keep that good relationship with them, you provide that transparency, provide that education. So that, he goes, that's what gets you, uh, you know, head and shoulders above the competition. Not just, oh, write me a check. You know, I, I produce these returns. That's great. But they want to feel like they're involved. They want to feel like they understand what's going on. They don't want to feel like, they, okay, I just made money, but I made money plus I learned how I made that money. That's very, very part. That's a part, a very important part of the equation that a lot of times is missing. So that's something that you know SP Venture Partners is now providing family offices. Is here's our due diligence. This is why this operating partner fits our criteria. This is why this deal fits our criteria. Here's our full due diligence deal room. And then when we actually own the property, showing them the monthly reports, this is where we had issues. This is where we're outperforming. A lot of them own businesses. They know that things do not go the way the business plan projected. They know there's going to be bumps down the road. But if you can show them what those bumps are, how you're finding solutions, and how you're able to stay on track or outperform, they appreciate that. They feel more comfortable. They feel more comfortable. They'll continue to invest with you. Yeah, that's huge. I mean... It's, it's like, um, so relationships, you know, how do you, you know, if you were to take, most indicators are, are raising money through high net worth individuals, you know, 50,000, a hundred thousand, $200,000 a pop. Now family offices have the ability to, you know, write larger checks, but they're still built on relationships and built on trust and you know, comfort and like you said, education and transparency. Uh, how do you build? You obviously you've done it, you've seen it firsthand with your family, but then with your your firm, you've built these relationships with different family offices. How do you build those relationships? How do you find find these families, and then how do you build the relationship? Finding, I mean, again, there's you'd be surprised that they're you know most of the major. And in secondary cities across the country, there are always a number of very prominent families. And yeah, it just, you know, this person knows this person. So a lot of times it's just kind of organic. You know, you, you get introduced or going to events. I go to a number of conferences and, you know, I meet interesting, interesting individuals. They connect us. It really is, you know, always out there, always being willing to learn, always, you know, making yourself open to introductions. That's how things happen. There's no set way of going about it. You just got to put that work in and, um, you know, continuing to, you know, if you meet someone, don't let it go to waste, continue to, you know, learn about them, learn, you know, some of their pain points, how you can provide value. You know, I, I was with a group last week and, you know, they were giving me an idea of kind of what they did. And he's explaining some of the opportunities they were coming across. I was like, well, I know a pretty prominent family out of Tampa Bay that that's what they do. They write those type of checks. And you know, I love to make that introduction. 
that's how you get things done is you provide value first. It's a cliche, provide value and you'll get, receive value. But if you do that, people like to work with people that are you know helping them. So they're more apt to send you opportunities and they're more apt to find a way to to work with you where it's, you know, um, financially beneficial to you. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I think that it's a matter of first getting past the, the intimidation factor, right? I mean, you're, you're still, you're providing a, a solution to someone's problem, you know, to someone's pain. And yep. it just happens to be that there's an extra digit or two on, you know, yep. um, so being able to be confident in your ability to save that, solve that yeah. pain point, I think is I, probably crucial for you. And I think one more thing, and this hasn't been proven, but especially being younger, I used to, I've, you know, between myself and my partner, I mean, across deals, we've just over the past, you know, six or seven years, you know, we've invested over $125, $150 million of equity across deals. Most of that being our family, the family office he came from. Um, how do you do that, right? Is and we also have other families that invest alongside us. How do you go about doing that? You're younger. Right? I have a I have a family office on the other side of Florida that invests, you know, multiple million dollar checks, and you know, he's 80, 80 years old. Well, why is he? Why would he invest with me? I'm someone younger. They, especially first generation family offices where they've had to build the wealth, they can see that drive. They can see themselves in some of these younger entrepreneurs, they have a huge amount of respect. They know, okay, if I put my money behind him, he's he's putting everything on the line for this deal, he's gonna make it work. There's gonna be issues, but I'd rather get behind that horse than behind than with some other, um, you know, maybe second or third generation horse that just isn't necessarily as driven. So I think having that drive, having that, um, having that hunger, a lot of first generation family offices, you know, they're still being run by the, the wealth creator, they can see that value, they respect it, and that's who they want to be involved in because they can kind of see themselves in you. I, I, I love that because I totally buy in and believe that, you know, people mm -hmm. that are successful, they want to help the next guy come up, you know, and if they can see something in you that reminds them of the, of the challenges when they were getting started, they want to help you, you know? Yeah. Um, so if you can solve their pain point and you, they can help you along your journey, that is something that's a, a huge win-win for the wealth creator, for sure. Yeah, 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 I've seen that. So how do you typically structure deals? Like you say, you say let, let's go to SP Venture Partners. You say yeah. you co-GP co on a lot of investments. Mm -hmm. um, how, how is that typically structured? Uh, one of the one of the thoughts or one of the things I've heard from syndicators before is, you know, with the family offices, you know, each one is different and each one has unique needs and they want to be treated special and different from, you know, the other LPs in the deal. And so they want different contract language and all that. So how do you structure deals? Yeah. So I'll kind of just run you through our process. So one, it's we're investing in teams, investing in partners first. So we do co-GP investments with seasoned groups. So groups that have a track record, they have experience in specific areas. Um, you know, we have something called our non-negotiable. So one, are they, you know, what is their actual skin in the game? Are they signing on a loan where maybe there's some partial recourse? Um, you know, are they putting actual money into the deal? 
What is their experience? Have they been through not just market, but also debt cycles? We're starting to see um, you know, that pop up for a number of groups right now as they don't really understand you know, how debt can really um, you know, affect you negatively. So what is their experience in market cycles and debt cycles? What is their team like? You know, you, you can get to, we, when I was with my family full time, I was, we saw, we had, a, we had an operator where they did such a great job, but the patriarch, the founder, the visionary for the company passed away during COVID. That company changed drastically. So understanding who the team is, kind of what the succession plan is, how that machine works, right? A team is really a machine. Who's actually doing what is very important. Transparency. How transparent are they? If I'm investing multiple millions of dollars with someone, I want to be able to track, follow the money. I want to be able to understand 100% what's going on. I don't want there to be a, oh, we don't, we don't provide that. To, no, I don't, that's not how this works. I invested a tremendous amount of money in you. This is, you know, it needs to be this way. So we speak with references to really um, validate that. Um, and then it comes down to, you know, experience and, and, and the sense of, if they are, if they build a name for themselves, build experience in doing hotel conversions or value add apartments in the Southeast, is that what this opportunity is? I don't want to, okay, that's what I've been doing, but we're doing a development in the Midwest now. I, I got to really understand. I got to really see that you have a track record doing that specific strategy in that specific geographic region. So those are some of our non-negotiables. So we look at that first and that's what helps um, dictate what the structure is. So, what we'll typically do is we'll come in, provide, you know, maybe 40 to 80% of the GP capital. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll put up deposits um, if, if need be. And then sometimes we'll assist in bringing in an institutional limited partner. Sometimes we won't. What the real benefit of having us is we have the dry powder. We have the capital to be a programmatic partner. So it's just not, don't just look at this deal. Look at the next five or 10 deals. Right. We'll be able to do that. We have the dry powder to do it. So when we're coming into an environment where there's going to be a lot of opportunities out there. There's some groups out there that, you know, the, the principles of the company are worth hundreds, if not billions of dollars. They have a lot of money. But if they're able to, you know, kind of bring down their, their GP commitment, they're able to stay a little bit more liquid, a little bit more agile. They won't have to pick and choose between the great opportunities that present themselves. They can do as many as they, they can do more and more of them because they're not having to put as much money into those deals. Right. So we see it as a, a huge opportunity for for those general partners, those sponsors, to kind of leverage their position, you know, financially engineer it, and then allow them to do more opportunities, which. It's beneficial to us because I can be part of those those future opportunities too that maybe they would not have done if we weren't a coochie GP partner. Yeah, so it's a win-win. I mean, you 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 put more of your capital out and they can do more deals. Yeah. Um, so do you come in as just a, as a regular LP or do or do you require different uh, yeah. terms? So financial terms is, you know, the money is always to be on the all dollars always sit on the limited partnership side, and then we take a we take a, a share of the promote as well. So it's your returns really end up being between what a limited partner gets and a general partner gets, but you still have the risk profile of the limited partner. So that's where the beauty of it is. But something that we're able to do that a lot of other co-GP you know groups out there don't have the ability or the experience to do is I started in management. I know how to manage a lot of these multifamily properties. My partner and I have extensive um, experience from having families that are involved in the, in the senior business. You know, my father on the, on the, my father, parents on the, 
on the healthcare side, uh, my business partner also, his family was involved in the healthcare side with seniors. So we have a lot of experience that we can bring to the table. We also have a very wide network where we, if you know, you have a group that maybe, maybe it's multifamily, they're having issues with collections. You saw this during COVID. If you have another partner that you work with that maybe has a property nearby that maybe you're not involved in, but they have you know relationships in that city, maybe they can help fast track getting those rental collections. Maybe like, listen, this is the person you need to call. They'll help with giving you rental assistance. Little things like that, little things like that are what allows us to add value to that deal. And our partners recognize that. And we also provide a level of transparency through our reporting that they a lot of times like to adopt and like to show it to, to the family offices or other institutional investors that invest with them. Because a lot of times, specifically in senior housing, you it's an operational business. So you have some very high level concepts, very high level strategies that need to be implemented. But if you can take those strategies and really break them down, put them in a, a layman's terms and show your investors that maybe aren't as involved in the day-to-day, they'll have a better idea of what's going on. They'll become educated, and then they'll be able to make quicker um, quicker decisions on future investment opportunities. Yeah, I like what you said. I mean, what what you said is similar to, you know, differentiating, say, venture funds with startups, right? I mean, there's some venture funds that they're just providing the capital, and there's yeah. some venture funds that are going to not only provide the capital, but also provide some direction and maybe some, you know, some introductions to some people that can really help push their business along. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you have experience in different parts of the country and and with a, with a large portfolio, then you can yeah. see the learning lessons and be able to apply that and help your your partners on on different yeah. deals if they're struggling. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you want to be a real partner. Yeah, I agree. That's huge. Um, so what are some of the learning lessons that you've had over the years, um, you know, working with different partners and how has that changed what you look look for going forward? Yeah, so I mean, every day you should learn something. But some of the bigger lessons is really diving into, you know, especially if you're looking to work with, a partner you haven't done business with, it's your, maybe it's your first deal, really t- doing a lot of upfront due diligence. I've seen a lot where I get sent a lot of opportunities. Oh, here's an opportunity. Okay, that's great. I don't really know you yet. I haven't done my due diligence. So I guess on both ends of this, if it's an if it's an operator looking for a co-GP partner, provide. Now here's some case studies. You know, here's, you know, here's, you know, maybe here's an overview in our company. And hey, here's a couple of references too, you know. If you're if you're upfront about that, that makes you even more transparent because you're willing to do it without having been asked for it. And then on the other side of it, if you are you know a coaching partner coming into a deal, do not you know do not sacrifice that that due diligence. It's very very important. Really try to under do your research. You'd be surprised. You know, I had a conversation with you know Sean, my partner, yesterday, and he was looking at an investment opportunity about a year or so ago, and it was a great opportunity. And the business probably ended up turning out pretty solid. But he looked into who one of the general partners, one of the sponsors for the deal, he had a pretty extensive criminal back, uh, criminal record. Those aren't the those right, that's huge those are red flags. But right. the, the the you know the other two members of the family office he was what didn't notice that. But he just kept doing his research, kept doing your he kept doing his research. Do not sacrifice that because you know, your first couple of deals you might they might end up being great with that group. 
but you know maybe that ends up biting them biting them back you know down the road so always look long term always do that upfront due diligence don't rush it there's no reason to rush it there's enough opportunities there's enough time think long term and you know, that has worked well for me it's worked well for some of the mentors i've had that have been in business for 50 plus years so that's you know some of the advice i give people is you know don't rush it there is a long road ahead and you know real estate can you know help you build wealth um, long term. Um, but building your wealth fast, you know, there, there's, there's definitely some more risk there if you're, if you're rushing that. Yeah. Well, so, you know, look, this is the first time that we've talked and you are a yeah. young guy, but what's, you know, what's evident is that you know the business. You know, you, you talk about, you know, different questions and concerns and case studies that... No. Even though you're a young guy, you know, you, you come across as knowing the business very well. So that's, that's yeah. fantastic. Hey, what, what um, geography do you focus on? You said all so across we, the country. Yeah, we invest pretty extensively across the country. So we're, we have some assets in the Mid-Atlantic, in the Southeast, down over to Texas. Um, an area we're looking to expand in, and I've been speaking with a number of different groups at the Midwest. I'm originally from Pittsburgh. Um, my partner's from from New York, so we you know, kind of grew up up north, but I was more a little bit more in the Midwest. So I'd like to start, you know, investing, making some investments, long-term investments in, you know, specific areas, maybe some areas in Ohio, some areas in, you know, I was looking in, I've been looking at Arkansas. Um, you know, if you look into like Bentonville, um, Fayetteville area, there's some opportunities there that you can buy at better um better basis and there's more you know cash flow which i think is very important at the end of the day cash flow is what gives you the cushion to weather these storms so maybe your overall return maybe might not be as high but if you're able to get that cash flow you're able to work with a group where you know they have a lot of experience there i, th I think risk adjusted returns matter and i think you'll have a better risk adjusted return if you're if you're working with someone that is in that area has experience in that area and it's it's a property already cash flowing. So you've, you've taken off a tremendous amount of risk. What do you, um, what do you leverage in terms of mentors or um, advisors to further your knowledge? Yeah. So it's funny is I, you know, unfortunately Sam Zell passed away yeah, what, last week or a couple of days ago. And I, made I never a met him and it really bugged me to, yeah. to see him pass. I mean, he was yeah. definitely a leader in the space, um, the leader in the space. You know, I've had opportunity to meet a number of, of um, you know, that caliber that have really been pioneers. But you have two different mentors, right? You have the mentors I'm getting to is the ones that maybe you haven't gotten to meet, but they were very vocal. And then also they had it. He had a tendency. This is why I think a lot of people like him is to take some of these higher level concepts, kind of break them down, make them a little bit more simple. He kept it simple. You know, he's very... Um, very unorthodox that approach, but I think is, you know, that's what I prefer. And it's easier for people starting off or people, um, you know, to really understand it easier. But you have those seven mentors you don't get to learn, but they put those videos out there and you'll get a great book um, that you can learn from. But then you have the mentors we actually spend time with. And I look at a lot of, you know, the operating partners, our sponsors I work with as mentors. A lot of them have been in business 20, 30, 40 years. I could spend a couple of days with them. You know, it makes me laugh because most people would probably pay hundred plus thousand dollars to do that. I get to do it because I'm an investment partner with them. I get to ask them 
real questions and I get to actually invest with them, see, you know, kind of how some of their strategies play out, see some of those solutions they come up with. So I've been able to build those up over the years. You know, I've been very thankful. My family's made a lot of uh, introductions for me and has, you know, really helped, you know, especially initially, you know, kind of um, given me the path to a lot of these different groups, but it's, it's hard work. I mean, I think a lot of them really respect it, especially early off. I was willing to work there, but work hard for several months, not be paid a cent. You really got to enjoy something if yeah. you're able to do that. Right. That's why I always tell people, you got to find your why. What are you doing? Maybe it's not real estate or maybe it is, but maybe it's brokerage or maybe it's, it's some other, you know, some other capacity. So what is your why? You know, how are you going to focus on that? So for me, you know, there's two main or three main factors I focus on. One is, you know, is the deal flow bringing in as many opportunities as possible. Two is building and maintaining relationships with family offices. And three is, you know, keeping an eye in, uh, on our portfolio and then figuring out where I have an advantage. I know where I have an advantage. I've spent time in management. I've spent time working with, with big asset managers, understanding some of their secrets where I can take a lot of these, these higher level concepts and these bigger strategies, boil it down be more transparent with the family offices I work with, which provides them education. So that's really the advantage I provide. Our, you know, our, our investments have produced, you know, substantial returns, but the real secret sauce, you know, the added, you know, cherry on top is that transparency is that education that, that we're able to provide. So whether it be in person over conversations, or maybe it's a monthly webinar, or maybe it's our, our quarterly um, investment memo, whatever it is, that all leads to them, better understanding of, okay, that's where my money is. That's how it made money. Or this is some of the issues I faced. You know, I was looking at maybe doing another type of investment with some other group, but they're facing headwinds here. Maybe I hold off on that. That education is going to allow them to, to make better decisions in the future. So that's something that, you know, SP Venture Partners provides to the family offices and ultra high net worth families that invest with us that is very much lacking. You know, you'll see maybe a quarterly update or a quarterly memo, memo and some of them are detailed, but they can be too detailed where, you know, you could just fall asleep reading them or maybe they're just very concise. It's too, it's too, it's too simple. Not really providing enough transparency, enough education. I think also where that information is coming from matters. So, yeah. you know, if you've spent time with people and built the relationship and, you know, through education and through spending time with them and through talking about different case studies and, then when they get information from you, they're more apt to try to, you know, one, read it and two, believe it versus getting it through somebody that they don't have that connection with. So, yes. you know, I think that I uh, could be wrong, but the, the, the value that you bring is not only the education and building the relationship, but it's also access to deal flow, right? They're, they, they may, you know, because they're wealthy, they may be able to get deal flow, but they don't trust a lot of it, you know? So you're get, they're getting trusted deal flow from you. You know, when yeah. you send them something, they, yeah. they know that you've already spent the time, you've already weeded out a bunch of deals that don't fit your criteria and that yeah. your relationship is, is a bit on the line as well. Yeah, I mean, providing that deal flow, I think you said it right, with the education with that due diligence, making it simple where they can, you know, digest, you know, 99% of it within five, 10 minutes. And if they want to dive in deeper, they can. 
but providing, you know, when we, when we have an opportunity, you know, I just usually, you know, give a few families a phone call and maybe I'll send out a few emails, but you know, here's the opportunity. Here's the real, you know, the real details of it. Here's the story. Here's the value we're going to add to it. And then here's how this sponsor operating partner fits our criteria, our non-negotiable criteria. How's here's how this investment opportunity fits our non-negotiable criteria. And this is why we're doing it. And, you know, a lot of times we're coming out of the gates, our, our estimated pro forma returns probably aren't higher than 90% of these quick deals I get sent all the time. And we get sent a lot of deals every week, but they know it's tried and true. And they know that on the investments that, you know, we've gone full cycle on, they've been able to substantially outperform. Um, but that education with, you know, the conservative nature, I grew up in, you know, kind of a conservative household and I, my, a lot of my mentors were very conservative that they appreciate that and they like that. So if they see something, then, you know, okay, this is, this isn't just some pie in the sky numbers. This is something that has really been stress tested. This is something where, you know, Peter and Sean, you know, SP Venture Parks is going to be putting money in the deal. You know, maybe I'm not putting up as much money as them, but I'm putting up, you know, a, a substantial amount of, of my own capital, of Sean's own capital into these deals. So we're aligned. So they like that alignment. They like that education. They like that we continue to keep a relationship. It's not just, oh, you're your best friend to raise the money and, you know, put the money in the deal. It's, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to, you know, discuss it, walk you through it, you know, hold your hand through the process. And then we're going to, continue to maintain that relationship, show you, give you updates on it, answer whatever questions you have. We want to go up to the, you know, if we want to go up to the property together, you know, kind of walk, walk through everything. You know, we have, we have the ability and we're, we're open to doing that, which a lot of other groups just don't do. It's right. here's our quarterly, you know, maybe you get a check, maybe you don't, but there's not enough detail as to what's going on and how you're actually, or how they're actually creating value. Sure. So um, can you share, yeah, I, I mean, you gave a little bit of information, but like, let's look at the syndicator profile. Like, yeah. you know, you mentioned track record, but what does the syndicator profile look like for, you know, somebody that you would, you would work with or you, and that you would recommend to other family offices? But for yeah, what, what I mean by that, you know, like what, what, what size, how many deals, like, you know, assets under management, you know, you know, that type of thing. So... That's a great question. We get asked that a lot. The groups we work with, one, they need to fit our non-negotiable criteria. So let's look at track record. Let's start there. Is where is their track record? What type of strategy? So if it's value add, if it's in this specific geographical area, okay, that's that's one thing. We get a good understanding. I would say at least, you know, something we ask for is at least three full cycle deals. Um, we also ask for, you know, want to have an understanding of what happened with those deals. We also want to have an understanding of Maybe a deal that you sold or a deal that you currently own that is underperforming. What's going on there? How how is you know what are the reasons for it underperforming? You know, was it that you just listen? We got too aggressive with the debt on it, or was it you know unfortunately right after we bought the property, you know, one of the buildings con. I mean, there's always stories. So mm -hmm. asking that question is very important. A lot of times, oh no, we've done great. We've been very blessed. Knock on wood. We never. We've never had an issue that I'll, I'll probably most likely be your first issue, right? It's, um, <laughs> I forget what that, what, what is it, Murphy's Law? Yeah, whatever can happen, won't happen. So right. that, that, so I want to understand because there's always issues. There's right. always, give me, give me, give me an understanding of what went on and how you were able to overcome that issue or how you're currently overcoming it. So that's, that's kind of the track record. So that's at least a handful of deals, full cycle. And I say full, I mean, 
deals, I'm talking, you know, if you're selling me a, a 200 year apartment community, I don't want to just see three fourplexes you've gone, yeah. you know, like you're building up. I respect that, but we want to see something that is um, very similar to the current deal that we're looking at. So that's yeah. the experience side. Um, and how well do they understand debt? Maybe they have someone they just brought on that's been there for a few years that has 30 years of experience. Okay, now they're part of the team. Maybe they don't have track record of that specific company, but if they've been there for a little bit and they're bringing other experience, we put value there. So it just depends. And then we're gonna look at what is their actual skin in the game? What's the skin in the game in their actual company? And we have a partner, he's spending a tremendous amount of money um, on his executive staff. Maybe he puts a little bit less in the deals, but I know he's, 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 he's paying that. That's skin in the game. He's willing to you know, sign on some of these loans they're favorable in the sense of, you know, the you know the leverage isn't as high. They have, you know, favorable interest rates, um, favorable prepay, but maybe there's a little bit, 10, 25% um, recourse. That's skin in the game. You look at where is the skin in the game? We're kind of open to figuring out where that is. And then understanding, are they transparent? Speaking with the references, seeing what the reporting package is. We have a sample reporting package that we, we need every month. We have one that we... We have a package that's a little bit more extensive. We need quarterly. Are they willing to provide that? If they're not, they're out. Are, you know, how does their team work together? You know, if you, you're bringing someone in that has a lot of experience, are you actually giving them say? Or you're just, you just have them there to, to put on your guys's, on your slide deck. I want to understand who the team is, who actually makes the decisions, how that works. So once we figure out the non-negotiables, and by the way, if they don't fit one of them, they're just not a fit for us. Right. Maybe down the road, maybe in a couple of years, they fulfill all of them. Then we can move them to the next stage, which is going through um, who the references are, checking that off. And then we want to meet them face-to-face. -face. There's a lot you learn meeting people face-to-face. -face. So typically, they'll come visit us in Tampa Bay. We'll sit down with them for half a day, have dinner with them. And then the next step is we'll go visit them. We'll go visit their team. We'll go visit their properties. And then from there, you know, we have a discussion internally if, if, they're, if they're the right fit for us and then we decide if we're going to move forward or not. If we are going to move forward, we're, we're ready to start, you know, doing investments together. And we can typically do a number of investments um, pretty quickly with them. So we did with one, we did, I think, eight investments and eight investments in the course of a year, a year and a half. I think it was 25 plus million dollars we, we put out, right? So it's a sizable chunks of money and it's just, again, the strategy checked out, the team checked out. Again, you're going to have bumps in the road. We're having some bumps on some of those assets right now, but, you know, we're, we're, we're navigating our way through them, and, you know, that's, that's the course of business. No, that's, that's huge. I appreciate you walking through that, that, that process. Um, you know, compared to, say, a, a high net worth individual that's putting, you know, less money, it's yeah. more upfront work, but then the relationship can really grow quickly after, after yep. it's kind of like, um, if you do business with the government, you know, it's, it's tough getting in, but once you get in, you, you, you could end up getting the renewal contracts year after year after year. And, and it's, yep. it's hard for others to, to kind of get in. So, yep. Hey, you've done a lot in, you know, and you're young, man, like what's kind of the next, you know, what's the vision? Like, where do you go from here? Yeah. That's a great question. And it goes back to what's your why. So I think it's it's important that you enjoy what you do. I don't think I'll ever get to a point again, I'm young, where I'll ever retire. I love what I do. Maybe I'll step back in some respects, you know, bring in some key members, but I love what I do. I love going in, finding opportunities. I love the meeting the people I work with. 
uh, or we we work uh, alongside. And you meet some that are you know they're connected in this way, or they've they've done this, or you know I like you know, for fun. You'll see my helmet at the back. I like racing cars for fun. So you'd be surprising of how much of a common connection that is with a lot of different groups. You know, figuring out if I like you know getting to know them, understanding their story, you know, really getting to know their background. That's enjoyable to me. So I like making those, you know, building those relationships. Really like meeting these 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 family offices, understanding their story, you know, how, you know, some of them have very proud companies, how they built those companies up. And you know, maybe some of the headwinds they're facing now. Business is exciting to me. It's it's enjoyable because even if it's a different type of business, I might be able to take some of their strategies or some of the, you know, things mentioned to me and I'm able to implement it in my own business. So for me, it's I enjoy what I do. So, in terms of an ultimate vision, I love you know we're we're, we're building up SP Venture Partners, and you know it, our goal is to be you know one of the premier co-GP investment firms in the country. You know we're focused on on senior housing and multifamily. You know we we might start you know once we build those platforms up, we might start getting involved in some development of multifamily and senior housing. You know maybe you know something that. I have a good bit of experience with is, 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 is hospitality and hotels. So I think there's going to be an opportunity to start picking up some of these, these limited service um, or extended stay hotels across the country at discounts. That can be a great cash flow play. But our focus right now is multifamily, is senior housing. Um, but I do see ourselves maybe, you know, bringing some people in and then, you know, kind of branching off into some of these other areas. That's awesome. I, I love, you know, you, you talked about things that you talked about in the beginning, you know, in terms of like curiosity and learning. And I love that. I mean, I love, you know, learning from each partner I work with and, and sounds like that is something that's very important to you as well as the, is the curiosity and learning. And you get to learn from both sides. You, like you said, you get to learn from the, the wealth creators that had the operating business. How did they build that wealth? What was important? What was the key um, to their success? And then you get to, to do the same thing with the, your partners on the, on the real estate side. You know, how did they scale? How did they grow? How did they manage through different debt cycles yeah. and different economic cycles? And, and all of that learning is, uh, yeah, I don't know, you just can't put a dollar on it. Right. I mean, it's just yeah. something that you, you come home one, you know, and you're like, man, I just learned, I don't know if I'll make any money off of learning this or not, but I'm so glad I learned that. That was, that's huge. Um, yeah. the other question I had, and you kind of talked about it was, you know, you're focused on multifamilies and senior housing now. And, you know, do you see yourself going into different, you know, real estate has a lot of different buckets, right? You, I mean, you can get yeah. into self-storage, you can get into RV parks, you can get into mobile home parks, you can yeah. get into hotels, you, you can get into resorts. There's a lot of different facets. It's, it's kind of like what, it's all up to you. There's no real ceiling to it. It's yeah. where do you want to go with it? Yeah. So yeah, um, you yeah, can answer that. And on top of that, I mean, you could also be, we could, because again, we're making co-GP investments. We could also get, involved in different parts of the capital stack, you know, I mean, maybe we're coming in as, you know, preferred equity or I'm working some hard money type of deals right now. There's, there's other ways of getting involved where, and there's other spaces, especially in the past year that have just gotten more advantageous to be in because their returns have increased with interest rates and the risk profile has come, you know, is, is down compared to making an equity investment. So, you know, we keep a pulse on that. So we, we will pivot accordingly. 
you know, sometimes maybe we won't come in, you know, our primary focus is co-GP, but maybe we do come in as some type of preferred equity in the deal. Not a bad place to be right now. So right. be it open to that, keep it, continue that education, hearing what other groups are kind of doing in the market, and then kind of taking that and finding where there might be opportunities that probably have already are already in front of you. You just haven't explored them. But going down that path and you know potentially you know making some type of a different investment, but it's in a space that you have experience in. So maybe it's in multi, maybe it's in senior, maybe it's in in hospitality. So I would imagine your parents are pretty pretty proud. You know, not only proud proud of you as their son. Like yeah. not only are you you know doing a, a good job managing their business, but you've created your own business to yeah. leverage you know the relationships with other family offices. And then all you could take all that knowledge and then put it back into helping manage their their real estate assets. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, funny. So as I, I step more away from the family office and you know my family's investment office and focus on my my firm, it's tough, right? It's you know I'm you know there building it up with them and you know it's very exciting. Um, you know, very exciting to do that and then know that you know they will. You know, very great. You know, we built up a very great portfolio together, and yeah, they are very, they are happy, and it's, um, it's, 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 it's nice to know. You know, I, I, every opportunity that I do, you know, I still, you know, present it to my father, still bring it to my, to my family, go over it with them, give them advice on some of the investments that they're making. Again, I'm always watching out for my family. You know, sure. family is very important to me. Um, my parents grew up probably some of the hardest working people I know. My father is, my mom is, came from really nothing in rural parts of Pennsylvania and have really built it up, you know, working hard, working smart, continuing to learn. You know, I look at my mother, she was, you know, on scholarship and valedictorian of a seven person high school and just kept building it up. My father had to play college football in order to get into college and, you know, won a national champion, just hard, hard work. Awesome. Um, and then taking that, you know, becoming, you know, a top medical student and building up a big healthcare business takes a lot of work, especially, you know, doctors aren't typically business people. Right. So you got to really be able to, you know, two, two different things there. So I really admire that. And I think, you know, just growing up in that environment has helped myself, my siblings really understand what it's, what it's like to, to, to work hard, be able to, you know, make a, make a name for yourself. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. That's huge. So, hey, if if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, yeah. So, I think we'll we'll put um, when we release this my my LinkedIn information and my email. So that's the best way to to reach out to me. So, I mean, if you look up Peter Powers on on LinkedIn or in our website, we're we're we're, we're updating right now. So, if you look up spventurepartners.com, you'll be able to access my information, or you could just email me. My email is is ppowers at spventurepartners.com. Awesome. Peter, well, I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing. Um, I think that you're, you're a go-getter who's going to do great things, and I look forward to watching that. Uh, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed that one. Until next week, signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.